If you are visiting, we are currently in a series on what it means to live life together as the body of Christ, and we're so glad that you are with us today. Uh, If you're part of the church, you might know that we have a few guys in our church who uh, have served in the U.S. Navy and in particular spent part of their time uh, on our country's submarines. Won't surprise me or my family to know the biggest submarine in the U.S. Navy is the Ohio class, making the best submarines for the best state. I heard a couple uh, of those guys talking the other day uh, about their experience on the submarines. I, I don't know if this is just a guy thing, but there's something fascinating about those submarines. The size, the power, uh, the, the tight quarters being underwater for that long. So I just heard them talking and I ended up following up with one of them just to learn a little bit more about the crew on the sub. I just want to share just a few pieces of of what I learned with you, uh, and to explain how it connects to our time in God's Word this morning. There are between 120 and 140 so, uh, sailors on the sub at the same time. And deployments underwater can last for up to 90 days. You think about just not seeing uh, any sunlight for up to three months. Living conditions are tight. Seeing that sun is at a premium and responsibilities for each person are significant. Nobody's on the sub uh, as a vacation. Nobody's on there as a cruise. No one's on there uh, just to kind of hang out. They're they're all there for a purpose. They're all there for uh, a reason and, and everyone's job is important. Here are just some of the major roles and departments On that submarine, there's electrical, there's mechanical, there's reactor controls and reactor uh, laboratory operations department. There's navigation, radio, supply department, culinary specialists, supply weapons department, torpedoes, sonar, fire control, missile, and medical departments. So why am I sharing this with you besides the fact that I think it's pretty cool? The answer is that the Christian life is far more like life on a sub than we at First might realize the church, like the crew of the sub, is made up of different people given different roles, but we're all committed to the same goal. And all of us are here given significant responsibilities. Nobody in the church is here just to kind of watch. No one is here just to kind of see what other people are doing. We all have responsibility. We're all given and a task in this goal. The, the crew of the submarine finds their success or failure in their ability to work together for that common goal. And they must help each other to do so. Can you imagine if there was a massive hole in the side of the sub? And it was taking on water. And one of the sailors who was responsible for making food responded by saying, Not my problem. You want to bet? It's going to be your problem shortly as the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches start floating through the cabin. Although he might be assigned to a different role, you know, if that hole opens up, yeah, they're, they're, you might be doing different things, and yet they're all called to serve one another, help one another, work together for a purpose that is greater than any one of them, and the same is true of the church. That's us. As CB shared last week, we might have different gifts, but we're one body. We might have different responsibilities, 
but we're united in mission together. And it's a mission given to us by God. We have to take that um, sub-mindset. We need to take that, 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 that military wartime um, perspective that we're in this together, that we have a mission and that we do it together. We must fight the temptation towards self-reliance and self-sufficiency. And I know that we have hit that over and over again. But it's important to say once again at the beginning. Because we are not unopposed. The temptation for us is to believe that the body of Christ is an optional add-on instead of a necessary and vital component to the Christian life. I need the church. You need the church. And this morning, as we add one more brick to that foundation of gospel community, we're going to see that you and I have the privilege and the responsibility to carry the burdens of this life together. So, one verse of Scripture... Galatians 6, verse 2, this is the perfect word of God. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we need your grace. We need your wisdom. We need you, Lord. And so we pray as we look at your word and as we consider what it means to live this life together, to carry one another's burdens, Lord, that you would give us uh, grace to see your wisdom and not just see it, but, but cherish it, to be uh, grateful for it, and that we, by looking at your word, might be changed, Lord. Help us. Help us as individuals. Help us as a church. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the big truth for this morning is the following. God calls us as the church to both share our burdens with one another and carry the burdens of one another that we might love each other as Christ has loved us. God calls us as the church to share our burdens with one another and carry the burdens of one another that we might love each other as Christ has loved us. Two points this morning. Point number one, sharing our burdens with the church. Sharing our burdens with the church. Before we talk about carrying each other's burdens, we want to first look at the perspective or look at it from the perspective of the one in the struggle. The one who has the burden. The passage assumes that we as Christians will have burdens and that we're going to share them with one another. The passage assumes that when you struggle as a Christian, you're going to tell other Christians about it. The Bible also makes clear that the church is not divided between those who have burdens and those who carry burdens. When people come into the church or when they become members, we don't ask, okay, are you one of those people who have the burdens? Are you one of those people that carry the burdens? Because we got a lot of people with burdens already. And so we don't have a lot of room for you. But if you're one of those people that carry burdens, here, let us take you to the VIP section. We are both. We operate in both. We will be in trials. We will have burdens. And we are called to carry each other's burdens. Sometimes we do both at the same time. 
I was at youth group recently, and I observed one of the parents who was going through a significant trial reaching out to someone else by sharing God's word to encourage them. And I thought to myself, what a picture of the Christian life. We are often called to care for others, even as we ourselves are in need of care. And I so appreciate that 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 person came to youth group, not just with a mindset of, what can I get, but how can I serve? It wasn't a ministry time. I think the Lord just laid a verse on her heart, and she shared it with that individual. We all need care. Because we are all burdened in this life. There is no strong ones here this morning. We're all, all going through different struggles. Illness, physical pain, broken family relationships, loneliness, poverty, worry, sorrow, sadness, loss, failure of sin and temptation to sin of all kinds, and even good desires that are unfulfilled in the providence of God. Life is hard. Work is hard. Being a student is hard. Being married is hard. Being a single is hard. Being a parent is hard. Being retired is hard. Have I made it clear? We're all in this together and that life can be hard. I I would define burden here in the passage as any circumstance, trial, or sin that tempts us to get our eyes off of Christ and onto ourselves or this world. Any circumstance, any trial, any sin that tempts us to get our eyes off of Christ and onto ourselves or this world. And I want to share this tenderly and lovingly, but there are people who sometimes say, even here in our midst, And if you have said this before, there's grace for you. But people who have said, in regards to different trials and different struggles, that God won't give me more than I can handle. God doesn't give us more than we can handle. And while on one hand I I understand what they are saying, the, the core of that statement is not true. It's not biblical. The Bible is filled with people who were given way more than they could handle on their own. As I look at my life, and I'm not over-exaggerating, as I look at my life, about every area of it, I feel like God has given me more than I can handle. I was sharing with the youth group, we have four children, we have three daughters. I am not qualified to parent one daughter, let alone three daughters. The the kids, the teens were laughing because, and I can still remember it, um, just when when Kelly, my wife, we, we went and did the ultrasound, and they said, congratulations, it's a girl. I said, a what? A girl? I didn't have sisters? I don't know how to raise a daughter. And God just must have been chuckling. Oh, you think one. (laughs) And I just think about that in every area of my life. There's no area in my life where I think, crushing it, I got this. Some areas where I'm struggling, some areas where I need you, God. But this other area, I am just doing it well. Every area, I think, God. Are you sure about this? And I'm sure as you look at your life, you can agree. The good news is not God won't give you more than you can handle. The good news is that God says, my grace will be sufficient for you. 
Whatever I call you to, whatever I sovereignly ordain for your life to be about, I will give you grace for it. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He promises he will always be with us as Christians. He will never leave you or forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5. And he gives us the church. A tangible, visible physical extension of his care that the church is like the arm of God that he's using for our good. As I look at the responsibilities and challenges in my life, my my hope is not God wouldn't have given me this if he didn't think I could handle it. My hope and and being a parent, my hope and and being uh, a husband, my hope and being a pastor, my hope and being a Christian is that I go through it with God. That God walks with me every step of the way. His grace he lavishly pours out and he has given me you. I look at you and I see God's grace in my life for all those areas. I don't go through it alone. I don't go through it in my own strength. I go through it with God and his church. We, we must avoid self-reliance. Yeah, you can make it for a while on your own. But it's only a matter of time before that spiritual fatigue starts to set in and and negative consequences begin to appear. You and I need to be cared for and get to be cared for by our brothers and sisters in the Christian life, in the New Testament. There is no category for people walking through the Christian life alone and it being a benefit to their souls. The Apostle Paul, who saw God move in awesome ways and saw Christ himself as resurrected Lord, when he's in prison alone, he says, would you please come? You see in his letters, he's sharing his burdens. He's telling the church about where he's struggling, that they might care for him. And he's saying, please come. Yes, bring the parchments, but he calls for specific people, Christians, to come, to care for him. And the, and the things we're talking about here, church, that uh, sharing our burdens with one another, it's not just the really big stuff. I think a temptation of, well, if it gets really bad, I'll start to open up. I have found that if you're not sharing the small stuff, you're not going to share the big stuff. And the big stuff just keeps getting bigger. And then there's a point where I don't want to share it anymore because I have to tell people this was how it was for all this time. And sharing the small stuff, it makes uh, kind of a road to sharing the big stuff. In my mind, I I don't even really want to have that category, well, this is small and this is big. I think it's just, I want to have brothers and sisters that just know my life. That, that, that will just walk with me and, and just, it's a normal part of conversation. I think CB said this before where you can be talking about sports. You can be talking about politics. You can be talking about all kinds of stuff. You can be talking about inside jokes that you have with your closest friends and you're laughing, but then you can also turn five minutes later, hey, there, there's someone else I want to talk to you about and I'm also struggling. That's not weird. That's just normal friendship, isn't it? Just to talk about all number of things. And and some of the things I want to talk about and need to talk about are my struggles of all shapes and sizes. We get to build relationally with each other in a way where we're sharing life together. And I use that phrase, we get to, on purpose. If you listen to us go through this series and it just feels like, oh, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, you're not seeing it from God's perspective. You're not seeing it for what it really is. This is a gift. I have friends in my life 
who don't just want to laugh with me, but will cry with me through struggles. You have friends. You have brothers and sisters in the faith that don't just want to be around you with all the fun times. But in those times when you're struggling the worst. Not just friends that will, will go out, out, to, you know, out to town or out for dinner or out to a movie. But will just sit there and listen to your struggles. That is a gift from God. We have the privilege to share our burdens with them. This life is hard. I need the church. This life is hard. I can't do it on my own. This is a biblical conviction that we all need to have on the foundation of our lives. And, and, I, and we, all, we all need this. Will, when I struggle, will I go towards my brothers and sisters? The areas where I am feeling the burdens of this life, will I open up and say, hey, here's how I'm doing. Like, really? Here's how I'm doing. Here's where the fight is right now. Here is where I am just feeling so, so tempted to get my eyes off of Christ. It's something we all need, but I want to particularly speak to, to you if you're in that place of, I've not yet really suffered. If you'd be here today and you would say, I, I hear what you're saying, Ben, but, but in the providence of God, I haven't really struggled in significant ways. It needs to be a conviction for you now before that comes. CB years ago shared the following quote from Dr. D.A. Carson. He says, we all need a theology of suffering prior to suffering that will sustain us when, not if, we suffer. We need a theology of suffering. Do you have a theology of suffering this morning? Prior to suffering that will sustain us. Oh man, sustain us. We need sustained in trial. We need sustained in our burdens. When, not if, we suffer. His point is the time to prepare is now. It's not something to, well, when that happens, I'll get to it. When that happens, I'll deal with it. The time to have a biblical understanding of why we suffer and have a biblical conviction of how I'm going to respond in place before it occurs. Thankful. I am thankful for being in this church for as long as I have. Because it just allows you to see these kind of markers of God's growth and God's faithfulness and where God has given you greater experience. Uh, I don't think I got one word about the cross out this morning. I, I, I saw it on the, the set list. I didn't really think about what song that was. Like two notes into it, I thought, oh, it was that song. And I remember just singing that song, I think in 2003, and just the grace of God and the way it flowed in my mind and, and just that whole song, I was just celebrating the gospel. Like, I can't believe I'm saved. I can't believe God would forgive me of all my sins. I can't believe He's given me you. And, and, and just, I, I remember in a similar way this quote by Carson. I remember CB, uh, reading it. And here I stand. Years later, and just, I've had a lot more experiences since the first time I heard that quote in both my life and many opportunities to serve people in this church that I love so much. And that quote is only confirmed again and again by, uh, by God, by life. I've just seen the Lord use the church 
to sustain people in the midst of their burdens. I've seen God use the, the church as a as an arm to come around them and encourage them and pray for them and remind them of truth. And I have seen, on the other hand, people completely abandon those relationships and make a shipwreck of their faith. Experience tells me, church, that you're not going to, some of you, thank God, some will, but, but experience tells me some of you will not listen to what I'm about to say. You will not apply what I'm about to say, but it will not uh, let that, I will not let that stop me from pleading with you to have a, a biblical conviction on what God says, not what I say, not what CB says, not what the church says, a biblical conviction on what God says about our need for the body of Christ when we suffer. It's important for us to have a biblical conviction on the front end because going through trials is like being on a ship. Think about like one of those ships from like the Pirates of the Caribbean. Your, your, your life is that ship. And suffering and burdens and trials are like a wind coming out of nowhere that you didn't see coming, you couldn't prepare for, and that wind's starting to blow. Not just one direction, maybe you can kind of deal with it if it's just one direction. It's just kind of blowing from every single direction. It's just starting to spin you around. And with that wind came this dense fog. The, the ship is completely turned around. You're, you're heading in the complete opposite direction you think because you don't really know because the fog has come in and you can't see six feet in front of you. It feels like chaos. Suffering sometimes feels like chaos. You don't know where you're headed. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what is happening. And you've got two options. Trust yourself or trust the compass. Trust yourself or trust your compass. And connecting the illustration with our lives, God and his word are the compass. And good friends who know God's word and can see more clearly than you because they're not in that storm are a great blessing. When, when we go through trials, when we go through hard times, when we go through suffering, it seems when you're not in the storm, when you're kind of looking at that and you hear me describe it, it just seems like it would make so much sense for us to, to lean into the church. To be thankful for our brothers and sisters who care for us and remind us of the truth. And hey, you're going the wrong direction. Hey, actually, this is the way you want to point the ship. You want to go this direction. This is what you want to remember. But like I said at the beginning, we're just not unopposed on these things. We're not unopposed in trial. We're not unopposed when we suffer. God is greater than our sin. But the sin that remains in us comes strong. And there's just something about trials that just can work us. They can tempt us to start trusting ourselves and our feelings more than God's word and more than brothers and sisters who want to help us, who want to remind us of his truth. And, and I, I say this because in, in, I feel the temptation. I see it in other people. We can be tempted to believe everyone else is the problem. You're, you're the one in the storm. You're the one where the ship's going 360. You're the one with just not being able to see left from right. And yet the temptation in our sin is, I'm not, I'm fine. These other people, they're the problem. I, I can see everything fine. 
They're the ones that can't see things clearly. And, and we can be very tempted to keep our lives headed in that destructive direction. Brothers and sisters, this is why by the grace of God today, it is so important that we stay close to Christ in prayer, in his word, and stay close in our fellowship with one another. I love what what, um, Josh shared this morning, that it's not the size of our faith, but the one our faith is in. And that's what I'm talking about here. I'm not saying, hey, get a strong enough faith so that when you go through the storms, you'll be okay. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, may your faith in Christ, accent on him, be so deep by his grace. Just, just God, I need you. I need you. I need you. Your, your church is a blessing. I need them. That when those trials come, you've embedded yourself into a safe place because you've embedded yourself with other brothers and sisters, and most importantly, you've embedded yourself with God. I've I've given this illustration before, but I just I, I think it connects the dots to fear driven or trust driven in this area. So the, the illustration I've given is if uh, you know if I have two of my children were about to cross the road, it's a heavily trafficked area. Uh, one of those children could be holding my hand, but in a fear-driven way, just terrified of all of the cars, terrified of crossing the street. And they're holding my hand, but they're holding on for dear life, right? They're like scratching their way up the body of me. Like they're trying to hang on. Dad, I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid. I'm hanging on. I got, I, I'm not holding on. I'm holding on. It's all about them, right? It's all about just them. If I hold on tight enough, everything's going to be okay. And, and you make it across the, the road, but just it's just terror the entire time. Opposed to a child that trusts their father. All right, I'm just going to put my hand out. My dad's got me. And we're going to walk together. And as long as I'm holding his hand, I'm fine. He's wise. He knows when to stop. He knows when to go. I got him. Like, I'm, I'm trusting my father, but I, I'm trusting my father. That's how we're to be. Just in our walk with him. Not not a fear driven. I gotta go. I gotta stay close to Christ. Yes, we do. Let's just walk with Him. Let's just pray to Him. Let's allow the Word to encourage us again and again. And my my trust is ultimately in the fact that He's got me. He's got me. Church, don't be surprised when there are times when you're tempted to start backing up from God, tempted to start backing up from His Word, meaning in its in its authority, tempted to start backing up from His people. You will be tempted to that. I will be tempted to that. I have been tempted by that. It's in that moment, if we have that that closeness, that abiding in Christ, that God, nothing would surprise me about me, God. Nothing would surprise me about the, the way I walk through trials. I need your grace. I need your help. That when you start to feel that backpedal, oh, I need God right now. I need his people. Just the, the moment I start to feel that, I want to run towards my brothers and sisters. The, the phrase I've used over the years for my own soul is, when I don't want to share something, I know that's the moment. You've got to share it with Kelly. You've got to share it with CB. You've got to share it with John. You've got to share it with your friends. You've got to share it with the people in your life. The moment I don't want to do something like that, I know God's calling me to do it. And so Paul says, watch your life and doctrine closely. I think that, that goes in, and that you can't separate those two, but that's that watch your life part. To know yourself, to know your triggers. Just to know yourself well enough to know when you start to go into certain circumstances, man, this is the way I work. And not that we don't grow, not that we don't change, but again, to know ourselves well enough. 
and for your friends to know you well enough. You know, Kelly knows me. CB knows me. And they, they know my challenges. And they can help me. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Sharing that, that I can't be self-reliant is an act of humility. Sharing that, hey, my marriage is not perfect. My parenting is not perfect. Sharing that, that you really struggle as a single. That's humbling. To, to admit that we're not perfect, that we're not strong. That's an act of humility. But look at what we receive as we share our burdens with others. As we go to God, God gives us fresh grace. I think um, sharing your burdens is like evangelism. On the front end, nervous, indwelling sins working you. You don't want to do this right now. And yet, then you do it, you think, oh God, thank you for the grace. I can't imagine walking through that trial alone. I can't imagine uh, not sharing the, the gospel in that moment. Every time I do evangelism, fear on the front end, and then, oh God, no matter the result, oh God, thank you for the opportunity. I feel the same way with, with being cared for by you as a church. Times where, man, if, if, you know, really be honest about the struggle, you know, telling the guys, hey, this is what I said in this moment, or this is what I felt in this moment, is that, you know, kind of, Polish it up a little bit. Maybe not make it so, you know, so really what you said. Or maybe be on the other side of it. Hey guys, I was struggling with something, but, well, you know, totally taken care of now. I'm on the backside. But I want to let you know God was good. Praise God that God was good. But God wants to walk, uh, wants brothers and sisters to walk with us in the process. And so when I feel that temptation, don't share that or whatever. And I do. And I receive the gospel from you. There was a brother just praying for me this week. I was telling him it's a busy week and just him praying for me. I'll never regret that. We all need help. We all struggle. We all have burdens. May we believe God that he will care for us as we share our burdens with the body. Point number two. Second and final point. Carrying the burdens of the church. Carrying the burdens of the church. So I, I ran yesterday in a race, and I thought, I usually don't drink water during the message. I was like, I better drink water, because if I cramp up, you guys would think that's the greatest thing ever, like cramp up and fall down. <laughs> and yeah, I would never live that one down, so I was praying, God, don't let me cramp up. Have my brother-in-law run over and start working my legs, right? Preach, preach lying down. Point number two, carrying the burdens of the church. Not only are we to share our burdens with the church, but each of us are called to carry the burdens of the church. Not just to share them, we're called to carry them. And pastors and deacons and care group leaders and ministry team leaders have a unique responsibility in this. But but church, Galatians 6.2 is a call not to a particular part of the church, it's a call to the church as a whole. God calls on every part of the body to carry the burdens of their brothers and sisters in the faith. If in care group, the care group leader was the only one carrying the burdens of that group, that would be a load they're not called to carry. I think even in, in the smaller numbers, what we're hoping for is that you would feel that you, you know each other better, that you can share more, but that you would all own it. That it's not, oh, that's his job to carry those burdens. No, it's our 
burden. We're, we're all called to share and carry each other's burdens. Every one of us has a responsibility and a privilege to bear one another's burdens. Think about that. God has sent you into that person's life to be his arm, to, to care for them in a visible, tangible, physical way. What a, what a, what a responsibility. What, what a glorious assignment that God would entrust to us. To bear here means to carry, to, to help hold up, to come alongside our brothers and sisters as they feel weighed down and to help lighten their load so they can continue to run the race marked out for them. We, we define burden as anything that kind of gets our eyes off of Christ. And so the, the body serves by helping us to get our eyes back on Christ, to remind us of who he is and what he's done and what he promises to do. So much of good Christian care is not a list of you should do this and do this and do this. It's remember this and remember this and remember this. And and are there things that flow out of that? Sure. But it's more about us reminding each other of Christ and his gospel and his word. And there are some practical things we want to consider. I want to share a couple practical things with you of, of what it means to be faithful as a church to do this. But But it doesn't start with the practical. And considering the call to bear one another's burdens, we must first see this as a call to love. I want to ask you this morning. I I really mean, I'm asking you this question. Uh, I want you to think about it and pray about it. Do you love the church? Do you love the church? Do you love the people that Christ gave his very life for and made you family with through your relationship with him? And, and could we all grow? Of course we could. I could grow in my love for Kelly, but there's no doubt I love Kelly. I don't have to wonder, do I love her? I love her. So we're not saying, is your love for the church perfect? Because it's not. But do you love the church? We, we've talked a lot in this series about the different aspects of what gospel community is to look like in the church. And yet it's essential for us to keep coming back to Love as the foundation and love as the motivation for each of these areas. You and I can academically know how Christians are called to live together. We, at the end of this series, could say, okay, I know, I understand now what gospel community is. But if I don't love you, if you don't love me, if we don't love each other, very little of that knowledge is going to go into practice. However, if I love the church... If I love my brothers and sisters, there is no limit on what I will do for them. No limit on how willing I am to pursue relationship with them. No limit on on what I am willing to give and invest and sacrifice for their spiritual good. If we love the church, we will be willing to do whatever God calls us to do. Do you love the church? This is a simple, kind of funny illustration that happened in the Ross home. But I think it does make the point. There are these sausage patties that, that Kelly buys. They're so good. I, I just, you know, I just walk on the light. I don't know the name of them. Even if I did, I probably wouldn't tell you. Because I don't want you to buy them. <laughs> she, they're at the store sometimes, and sometimes they're not. And so I don't want you taking them from, from me. Youth group... Yeah, you're welcome, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Food is my love language. 
And Kelly speaks it so well. So there was one sausage left for breakfast the other day. After, of course, I got mine. Uh, and, and Kelly was going to eat it until our son Anderson walked into the kitchen and asked, unaware of Kelly's intentions, if there was a sausage left. Kelly, without hesitation, joyfully said, yeah, there's one more and you can have it. I remain silent, right? I remain like, I don't know, fend for yourself. Mine's already cooked. I'm eating it already. You know, like, I licked it. You can't have it. Which probably wouldn't stop him. So, that you know. Kelly, without hesitation. Yeah, yeah, there's one more and you can have it. Why does she do that? And she does that, you know, countless times over and over again in every area. The reason is because she loves her son, right? There's something she can give to, to help him, to make him happy. There's a cost there. I know it's a, it's a simple, silly cost, but there's a cost there. But she loves her son more. Like she asked the question, do I love my son as much as the sausage, right? I believe I do by the grace of God. But I need the grace of God. <laughs> so Kelly says, yes, and you can have it. In the same way, it's a silly, simple illustration, but what's the root there? The root is love. The root is sacrifice flowed out of love. It wasn't, oh, I'm the mom, that's what I should do. There was a sense of, I love my son. Yes, you can have it. In the same way, if we truly love our brothers and sisters, we will be willing to give up what is necessary to pour into their life, carrying their burdens. If we don't love the church and we see that there is sacrifice involved, we'll be slow to move towards the church, at least in any meaningful way. If I don't love you and God calls me to sacrifice for you and carry your burdens and get into the hard things of your life, I'm not going to want to do it. But if I love you, and you need help. I jump in with two feet. You jump in with two feet. Do you and I love the church? Do you and I love our brothers and sisters? It's important to note here that this issue revolves not around our gifting, not around our personality, but around the gospel. This, this call to love and this question of love is rooted in the gospel and the reality of Christ's Love for us. We will love the church to the the degree that we understand and are amazed by God's love for us as individuals. It can be tempting to not pursue biblical community. Tempting to not invest into people's life because people are hard to love and messy and imperfect. And we can be tempted to think, that's just too much work. But isn't it true that in everything the church is called to do towards one another... God has already done it towards us. People aren't hard to love. People aren't messy. People aren't imperfect. I'm hard to love. I'm messy. I'm imperfect. And it was in that place that Christ came after me. Insert you into that sentence. It's not those people out there that are messy and hard and imperfect. It's you. And Christ came after you in great love. God never calls you to more in your relationship with the church than he's already given up for you. You and I were living in opposition to God and Jesus, in love of the Father, came after you. I heard a song on the radio on the way in. What king ever leaves the throne? Jesus, that's who. Jesus, 
Not because the, the, the enemy was approaching and he had to get out of there. Not because a term expired. Not because he died. Jesus left the throne of heaven for you. When you were against him. And he was mocked and persecuted and beaten and ultimately killed for you. That through his life and death on the cross and resurrection you might be forgiven and put into right relationship with him. And this God calls his children into gospel community with one another, giving the love they've received from him. Look at verse 2. It's so important there to see the second half of that verse. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's an interesting phrase. Fulfill the law of Christ. If you know God's word, you might be asking, isn't it true that we can't fulfill the law? That we're lawbreakers and that's why Christ came? Isn't it true that Jesus came to fulfill the law where we had failed to take the punishment for our lawbreaking? And the answer is yes to all of that. And Paul is aware of that and speaks about that in this very letter. Paul here says, bearing one another's burdens, in doing that, we fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ. And that is a very important addition to understanding what he's talking about here. Paul here is not calling us to love one another in an attempt to fulfill the Old Testament law. He's not calling us to love one another so you find salvation and you find your righteousness through your own efforts. In adding of Christ, the law of Christ. Paul is telling us, carry one another's burdens, love one another, live in gospel community. Not so that God saves you, but as a result of God saving you through Christ. Love one another, not so God loves you, but love one another because God has loved you. In the New Testament, we seek to obey, not to earn God's love, but as a result of his love, in worship to him because of his love and grace and righteousness. Because of God's love and grace, we're no longer enslaved to our sin. Sin remains, but I'm not enslaved to it anymore. We are God's sons and daughters, and we get to love one another as an expression of God's power. Loving the church is not an optional throw-in to the Christian life. It's evidence of God's saving work in our lives. Our love for one another testifies to the love we've received from God. Two passages in the Bible that makes this clear. John 13.34. John 13.34. Jesus says the following to his disciples. And if you're a Christian, you're a disciple of Christ this morning. It says, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. See that? Jesus is being repetitive on purpose. He puts it on the front and the back of that sentence. I give to you a new command that you love one another. Just as I've loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I hear my mom in my head singing the great hymn. They will know we are Christians by our love. 1 John 4, 7 to 11, beloved. And we could stop right there and there'd be a whole other sermon. God calls you beloved. Let us love one another, for love is from God. 
And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest, was made visible among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Wrath absorbing sacrifice. He took our wrath on the cross. Beloved. If God so loved us. We also ought to love one another. God's word here couldn't be more clear. We're not saved by our obedience or our love. But the one who has been saved by God. Will love. One of the ways we love. Is to carry each other's burdens. Couple points of application as we head to the close. So we're under point two here. When we consider bearing one another's burdens, may we consider time. Time. I shoot straight with you. Many of us are too busy. Many of us are too busy. And I include myself in that category. It's not you're too busy. It's that I am often too busy. I was half joking with Kelly about Martha and Mary and Jesus says, you know, Mary's right because Mary's at the feet of Jesus and Martha's doing all this stuff. And I said, yeah, Martha's doing all that stuff because Mary's at Jesus' feet. Martha's got to be doing all that stuff because Mary's just sitting there listening to Jesus. Somebody's got to get this stuff done. And I, and I can justify Martha's busyness. And I can justify my busyness. Hey, stuff needs to get done. I got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. This is what needs to happen. I know you feel that as moms and dads and, and, and people who have jobs and people who have lives and friends and all this stuff. I think many of us are too busy. And one of the um, negative consequences to have calendars where there is no free space, I can't love you well. I can't carry your burdens because I have no time. I have taken up all the time for me or even my family, which isn't inherently sinful, but my life is so consumed with this, I've got no time for my brothers and sisters. I'd love to care for them, but, but there's just no time. Well, who made that calendar? Ben, you did. You, you made much of that schedule. You made those decisions. And so this is an application. This, this is a, how do we pray through these things. It's not, it's not you all should go out and cancel six things in your calendar this week to apply the message. It's just to ask yourself the question, are you so busy there's no time for God's people? You're so busy you actually can't carry one another's burdens because there's no time to do so. Kevin DeYoung, in a book about how we're all too busy, says the following, God does expect us to say no to a whole lot of good things so that we can be freed up to say yes to the most important things he has for us. When we look at our calendar or we make decisions about how to spend time, do do we take it to God? Do we say, God, how do you want me to spend my time? Or is it just, how do I want to spend my time? Do do I pray through my calendar? If you're married, do you sit down, husband and wife, and pray through your calendar? God, what do you want us to do in this next season? And what do you not want us to do? 
I know some of that is subjective. Some of that is getting counsel and talking. And I think this seems wise. It is a step of faith. But, but here we see this is not, again, an option in the Christian life. I'm called to carry your burdens. I'm called to, to have you carry my burdens. If I've created a calendar where I actually can't be, any, be around brothers and sisters in any meaningful way, I've got a problem. Because God calls me to this. And so it's just a question of his lordship, isn't it? It's not a, it's not a command in a way where you're like, your righteousness is based on your calendar, or if you don't do so many things, God doesn't love you. It's a lordship issue. What does Christ want with my time? To bear one another's burdens, we must be intentional to make time in our schedules and slow down. Our calendars are a helpful window into what we most love and prize. If my calendar is filled with the brim to to things other than you, I need to pray through that. We have to slow down and create space to really walk with people well. To not just have, you know, a family over or time with a friend. And, All right, see you in six months. That's, I mean, that's one of the things I, I miss at being a pastor. Being a pastor, you're called to kind of walk the, around the whole flock and you're trying to make sure everyone's cared for and you meet, we do this together. But there's a sense of, uh, I, I just, I miss those times where, not that as individuals you're not called to keep being to know the body, but just where there's a, a small, like, okay, this is my care group. And to be able to get consistent time with them. It's not, well, I'll see you twice a month, or I'll see you once a month, or, or worse. It's, it's, there's like a rhythm to life. There's a rhythm to my time with Kelly, my rhythm to my times with my friends, where I'm just, I'm getting with them consistently. I can have, not just, hey, here's all, everything going on, I'll see you in six months. It's that, hey, how's that going, and that going, and that going. And there's an ongoing ability to, to keep caring for one another, and keep walking together. And so just, I encourage you to pray about that. When it comes to carrying each other's burdens, do we even have the time to do it? Second application point, any Christian can do this. Any Christian can carry each other's burdens. I was thinking, I found a picture that I think uh, shows what we are like at times when it comes to caring for one another. If uh, we could project that first picture. I think that is us sometimes. Actually, that's not fair. Could you hear a picture? <laughs> and that's not a picture of you don't want to do it. It's a, Eeyore is, you know, who am I to care for God's people? I couldn't do what the pastors are doing. I couldn't do what the care group leader is doing. I don't know enough Bible memory. I, my, my house isn't big enough. It's messy. What a shock. All of our houses are messy. Let's end that right there. Uh, you know, I can't make fancy food. I, I don't know. What, what would I say? What if it got quiet and there, nobody was talking? What would we do? And I include all of us into that. You can take it down, Josiah. I want you to know God will use you. The Eeyore is head down looking at, oh, me and my life. God saved you and God puts you in that person's life. We can trust God that if he sovereignly placed you in someone's life and they share burdens with you, God's going to use you. God is going to use you. Me and Kelly were just sharing with someone recently. The first time CB and Shannon invited us over to their house, it was like the least impressive thing ever. They had pizza. We're like, you can do that? You can just invite people over and just give pizza out? 
And we just ordered pizza. And, you know, again, love language. I'm like, I like this guy. He gave me pizza. And, and they asked the most simple questions. How's your marriage? What are your, kind of, what are your dreams for this life? You know, we were less than a year into our marriage and just, you know, what are you hoping to do? And where are you from? And just the most simple, unimpressive questions. But you know what? We're like, they care? They actually want to hear about our life? They, they want me to not wear a mask and act like everything's okay? It was the most simple stuff. And they're like, oh, we'll pray for you in those areas. And reminded us of the gospel. But it wasn't like he stood up and like, oh, here's my home podium. Let me uh, do a six-point sermon for you based on what you said. What, do you carry that thing around with you? No, I just have one in my house, right? Like, he doesn't even didn't do that. Just sitting around the table, asking simple questions. Church, we all could do what he did that day, and yet it deeply affected our lives. What we were talking to those people about were just we'd never received care like that. Since we've been married. Church, you are a wonderful group of people. You, you love God. Do we need to grow in our knowledge of the word? Of course we do. We all do. But you, to, to act like you don't know all of it doesn't mean you don't know any of it. And that's how I feel sometimes. I feel like in talking to people, until they've memorized the entire Bible, they don't think they know anything. And you know a lot. You know far more than you think. And just as we, hey, how, how is your life right now? How are you doing? We're going to come, come over to our house. Like we're, We have chili every time people come over. When, when the kids see chili going, they're like, hey, people are coming to the house today. Kelly doesn't have time to like have a hat on and you know five-course meal here. Like, hey, it's chili, chili and noodles. Let's talk about life. That's what we want for you. That's what you can do. So much of being faithful to this scripture is simply being there for others taking time to listen, taking time to pray, taking time to encourage. You know, moms who are overwhelmed in this season, do you know how much God will do in using you and just praying for people? I saw recently on Facebook, I might have shared this before, early in the morning someone said, God just did more since you were asleep than you'll do the rest of your life. That's right. Not that we're not called to do stuff, but just know, hey, if we pray, that's not like the third option here. If you just pray for one another, and just listen to one another and encourage one another in the simple truths that we need. Paul says, it is no trouble for me to remind you of these things and it's safe for you. We just need the same truths over and over again. And here's where we close. The best news is that we just keep pointing people back to God. It's not, come to me because I have it together. It's, let me tell you about the one who is all-powerful, all-loving, gracious, grace upon grace, faithful, perfect. My Lord and Savior, your Lord and Savior. Psalm 55, 22, this is what we do together. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we pray for grace to be able to not just hear your word, but apply your word. Lord, we we do love one another. Lord, help us to grow in loving one another. Help us to grow in both being honest and, and hey, here's where I'm struggling and I need help. And, and when we're the ones receiving those burdens, Lord, that we would be willing to carry them, that we'd be willing to walk with people in their struggles, in their trials, Lord, that we would be able just to, just to be there with them and and encourage them in your word and pray for them, Lord. We just we pray that we would be a church where people really would know us by our love. 
But we pray that all of this would be a celebration of the gospel. All of this would be a celebration of what you have done. Thank you for loving us first. We did not love you first. You loved us first. And you lived for us. And you died for us. You've loved us and you will never stop. And we thank you for that. That's where our hope is today. That is our motivation today. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I hope you have a wonderful week.